1: Discover the Power Within Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World
0: Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell.
2: Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister and Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the, <clears throat> excuse me, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. Um, today I have a special show because I think it addresses uh, some things that we really need to deal with as far as the world is concerned and the New Thought Movement and how the New Thought Movement will address and be a voice for the changes that are uh, are seeking to emerge in the world and in human consciousness. So today I have uh, a new friend. His name is Harv Bishop, and he is the author of the book, New Thought Revolution, A Powerful Vision for the Future. Harv, how are you doing today? Doing well, Reverend Galen. I appreciate the opportunity to come talk with you. Beautiful, beautiful. So let me just, first of all, start by saying, um, I, you know, I really appreciate you saying yes to uh, coming on and having this discussion. Because I think, you know, obviously when we plant this, obviously, the you know, the world wasn't on, you know, metaphorically fire. And, you know, we were talking, you know, I I really want to have a conversation about New Thought because of some of the things that you mentioned about social justice and other dynamics in the book that are relative, and especially me coming from the Johnny Coleman branch of New Thought and all that she had to go through just to get New Thought to bring it back to the African-American community in Chicago and abroad. So so before we actually get into uh, the, the, you know, I have good questions. I would like for you to at least give people a little bit about your background so there's some context to these questions that I'll be asking you.
3: Okay. Sure. Yeah. um, I've been in New Thought now since uh, my last year of high school. Um, And uh, I've I've taught uh, political science at University of Colorado, Denver for the last Twenty some years prior to that, I was a newspaper reporter. Um, but new thoughts been a part of my life for more years than I care to count.
2: All right, beautiful, beautiful. Now, believe it or not, before I even had an opportunity to ask a question, we actually have a caller. So I'm going to find out what the caller, the question that the caller has, and then I'll get into my question. Is that okay, Harv? That sounds great. Okay. All right. Let's see here uh linda are you there
1: uh yes i am
2: hi hi, how are you doing
1: i'm fine how are you
2: i'm excellent excellent do you have a question for harv
1: uh not not really i may later around but i don't right now
2: okay all right thank you um all right so i appreciate you calling in thank you uh so harv i just want to get you know to the question because you know i i saw the evolution of this book so mm-hmm. and you know on it was actually literally happening online it was very organic and i thought that that was very unique because you know because i've never met you personally but i started following what you were doing because of your i, I don't know if you know him personally or not but at least online relationship with mitch horowitz and next thing you know you know, the, you know, I'm watching the dance that's happening between you and other members of the New Thought movement. And I was like, let me jump into this. It was almost like a game of double dutch. So. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me just start off by saying, how does New Thought connect to social justice?
3: OK, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I want to emphasize, too, that, you know, when I'll be presenting my perspective on this. But it, like you said, it's also informed by a dialogue. uh I think it was 2014, 2015, I launched my blog, harvbishop.com, and uh, it just uh, organically grew. And a group of writers, scholars, historians, uh, Mitch Horowitz being one, uh, ministers, practitioners, uh, contributing both in in terms of articles and the comments, and it really is a new generation in New Thought. And it's a group that's that's willing to, to question some of the Orthodox ideas, but they're also celebrating what is best in New Thought and, and welcoming of us guests. And, and again, speaking personally, um, I honor New Thought for what it's brought into my life. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today if not for New Thought. At the same time, you know, we look at what doesn't work, what works, and what needs to change, and how uh, new thought needs to evolve uh, for the twenty. Uh, um, geez, where are we now? Twenty-first century. So it is. Uh, it is an ongoing dialogue, and it's exciting to be a part of it. Um, and social justice is one of those areas.
2: Okay, beautiful, beautiful. So when you start now. Just before i we drill down to this question, you know this is one of those questions that come up um from time to time because obviously depending on where you live and I think this really does matter, social justice shows up differently so mm-hmm. a few year- few years ago, I was speaking with a uh um uh, I, I i guess i don't know if she would be considered an ordained science of mind minister uh religious science but i was I was at a an event downtown, and it was nothing but college students from Columbia College. And in the midst of the conversation, Harv, I was on a, a panel. And it was it was like a a Muslim, it was a, a a Pentecostal Christian that I would say might have been a little bit progressive for a Pentecostal Christian. I don't mean that as a disrespect. I mean there are various versions of everything. It could consider considered also conservative, moderate, and progressive New Thought people. Uh, I was on, it was an atheist on, on the panel and somebody else, I can't remember. And so we're dealing with this dialogue and social justice showed up and, and how does New Thought address it? And what I actually told them, and this is why I think it was interesting when I started finding your work, how, why I jumped in on it so quickly, I actually said to them, uh, I said, it's a couple of things you need to understand about New Thought. I said, first of all, New Thought teaches what is radically right about you, not what's wrong. And I think that's an emphasis that you need to understand, that many times religion will tell you something is wrong with you and then convince you that they they have the only remedy, and nobody else's remedy will work. So they have to convince you that you're sick and then convince you that this is the medicine you have to take to get better. I said, now, I said, traditionally, new thought has been the, been the religion or the philosophy that says if everybody has a house on the block, if you just go out and clean up your in front of your house, then that's your whole responsibility. Your house is clean. I said a more evolved version of New Thought can look like this. Go out still and clean up in front of your house and then when you finish cleaning up your house help your neighbor clean up in front of theirs and I think that hopefully that when I saw your work I actually saw that evolving right in front of my eyes. So from your perspective, um, how, how has New Thought addressed social justice in the past, and how can it uh, uh, potentially adjust to address social justice in the future? Well,
3: and historically, absolutely, uh, New Thought at its a, it is very origins, uh, we have uh, so many figures, uh, both in terms of uh, people working for racial equality, radical feminists, uh, uh, Wallace Waddles, who wrote uh, 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 some books that inspired The Secret in contemporary times. He was uh, he was an active socialist, a candidate for Congress on the socialist ticket, a friend of Eugene Debs. So New Thoughts' history is absolutely 100%. That that higher vision and a vision that involves social justice. And as Mitch Horowitz writes about in some of his books, around the 1920s there was a shift, and and it it, it began to be less about uh, empowerment and equality, and more about uh, you know how to, how to how to secure the corner office, how to have private success. And we've kind of been there with that more individual emphasis uh, for probably 50 50 60 years or more uh kind of a me focus and uh, what i'm sensing uh you know from our contributors and some of the dialogue going around is that we're moving from i create my reality to we co-create our reality and i think the the really important piece is we're starting to get back to um our ideals and and what well, oneness uh and uh, sort of this unity of, of consciousness and that everyone shares and what that really means. And there was a, a story uh, a disciple once asked Ramana Maharshi, uh, how do I treat others? And Ramana Maharshi uh, responded, what others? There is only God. And so if we, if we take seriously that each person is the divine, is the divine manifested in the world, and that absolutely calls us a new thought to a higher vision of respect and equality and, and uh, having a society where every person can reach their highest potential. And so the big question is you know, how do we, how do we make that core teaching uh, a reality? How do we live by those ideas? And, and uh, how do we let it shape our ideas? And, and, and you know, move to uh, and no longer have our head in the sand, but uh, but move in a better direction.
2: Okay, okay. So as we, you know, are going forward with this type of conversation, um, how do we empower ourselves to create needed change?
3: Well, I think there there's a few things we we've, we've got to get past in order to do that, and and one is. And I, I heard this a lot in responses to you know some of the early blog posts, which is basically, I don't want politics in church. you know, Keep politics out of it. But um, as uh, Dr. Roger Teal, a uh, former senior minister of one of the largest New Thought churches in the country, Mile High in Colorado, uh, told me in an interview, he said, when we're talking about justice, when we're talking about human rights, uh, that that isn't partisan politics. You know that that's that speaks directly to to our ideals. And do we recognize each person um, as a unique manifestation of the divine? So um, I think we can I think we can set aside that the kind of things we're talking about today really uh, aren't related to partisan politics, or if they're made part into partisan politics by by other other folks, we
2: don't need to go there. As as people in New Thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny, as as you mentioned that the people say, "Oh, I don't want politics," and I get it. I think there's a difference between having politicians in your church or center or whatever, or than it is to have an understanding that your spirituality, in in a real way, is your politics. Like, okay. What do you believe about human beings and the rights of human beings and and what does that look like um you know, regardless of political affinity, we teach the divinity of humankind and when mm-hmm. when 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 we see people being treated as less than divine, what's our conversation around those experiences and I think it matters um you know, I can remember. You know, when uh, Johnny Coleman used to tell us how, you know, she would drive down. You know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but when she, the, I'm sure you're aware that she desegregated unity. But a lot of people don't have the details about it. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when when she was when she went down there originally 1952 and or 52, 53 around there that time, she she had to stay in Kansas City. And drive that 45 to 50 minutes every day one way because she wasn't allowed to stay on campus. And, you know, so so this went on for years until 1955. And what ended up happening was she got caught in a flood. You know, you know how it rains in Missouri, I'm sure. You know, they have the tornadoes and all type of stuff. So she gets caught in this torrential rain. She's late for class. You know, she gets stuck, you know, basically, you know, in water, you know, and the whole night, you know, it's, it's a bad situation. She comes in and she just tells the leaders in unity, her teachers, the, and the administration, you all can keep this because, you know, there's no reason why I can't stay on, on, you know, stay on campus with the other ministerial students. It's ridiculous. And it, you all are teaching that all of us are divine and we're one, and this is how you're treating me. And she, and she was. She was going to leave Unity mm. on the spot. And several of her classmates, Catherine Ponder was one of them, by the way, uh, um, signed a petition for her to stay on the campus. Now, we're talking about Unity, just like New Thought, no different than, you know, Religious Science, now Centers for Spiritual Living or Divine Science. One of the, you know, mm. back then, one of the main three, and the largest of the three. And, and they said, okay, you can, you can stay here. But you have to stay in the in the outhouse, not on not in the dorms with the other students. Basically, it was it was a a house that they allowed, you know, the workers of the field to to u- utilize to keep the the field, you know, to keep the grounds together. So even when they say she desegregated unity, it was only up to a point. Wow. And and, um, you know, and I could tell, you know, without, because I don't want to make this show about Johnny, but this is just context, hard, because as, you, as a writer, I think this is important right. for you to know this. It, yeah, you know, exactly. you know it, it even got to the point to where, you know, when she, it was time for her to become the associate president of the Association of Unity Churches, because the right. vice president would become the president the next year, they changed the rules initially. And then when she when she finally came, the, the president, people said they weren't showing up to, to the annual conference. So she chartered a plane and flew a church in. And then, you know, and then they didn't want the kids to swim in the swimming pool. So she pushed the kids into the pool and told them the black won't come out and come off in the water. And, you know, wow. it was it was these type of things that she was dealing with on a day to day basis. And even to the point to where it, because she had one of the most, if not the most successful ministry in the unity movement at the time in the early 70s, that there was conversations that they wanted to take over this church and send her somewhere else. And that was one of the reasons why Reverend Coleman left unity. It was racism. Wow. Wow. So, what a powerful, powerful illustration. Wow! Yeah, so... Yeah. It, Go ahead. Excuse me. I didn't mean to stop you.
3: Oh no, I was just going to say that it 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 really speaks to this thing that that if if we center if we center into this teaching that, that everyone is the divine, it's it's absolutely a perfect measure that has nothing to do with politics. It's, it's it does when do our actions honor that teaching, and when do they not? And that you know that's the guide.
2: Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So you know, as we're working with empowering ourselves to create the needed change, um, how do you feel New Thought is evolving to stand for justice?
3: Well, I think it's I think it's in this uh, movement that we're seeing between uh, I create my reality and, and realizing that we actually co-create our reality. I think is one of the major one of the major areas and and there's some there's some blind spots here from thoughts that I think need to be looked at but in, I think right now is is the perfect moment to do it because if we if we look at the covid epidemic I mean it's it's the, the whole idea we we sort of take it as a given that oneness is this uh, this metaphysical truth but it also a uh, literal in the world everyday truth and and covid makes that so visible because you know if, if, do, do, do we wear a mask do we do we not wear a mask uh, we have responsibility for infecting others or not infecting others and and it it shows us how interdependent we are on the actions of others. And and so for for so long, we've taught, well, the individual creates their own reality. And I even heard a minister say that uh, we already have a world that works for everyone because everyone creates their reality and their consciousness. There are no victims. And, and to me, that's just such a, a distortion, a distortion of new thought teachings. Uh, it, Right now, every single person can relate to the restrictions that have entered into our life um, because of dealing with this pandemic. So it's like we can't travel overseas. We can't travel to see friends where all these things. And yet sometimes our teachings come across as it's absolutely unlimited. You can have anything you want and it's all about you. And COVID comes along, taps us on the shoulder and says, no that is not the situation it's that you you are interdependent you your reality is influenced by other people not necessarily strictly 100 percent by your consciousness so then if we if we take that and look at something that's always existed like uh, racism and, and institutional inequalities people have always been limited by that based on race and sexual orientation and a number of different things but But New Thought has essentially been blind to that. And why is it? I mean, our teachers, our founders came out of an era where the individual was seen as the prime moving agent in life. And there's been advances in in politics and science and all kinds of things that that show us that we're embedded in these larger systems. Uh, And if we're embedded in these larger systems, those also play a role in determining our reality. We can no longer look at the poor we can no longer look at people who are ill or who are who are victimized by racism and those things and say it's on you just think happy thoughts and it won't happen
2: you know that's not
3: the reality
2: so so as we work through the you know again as as a part of the conversation uh the context of co-creating with others um and you come out of the, from my understanding, the science of mind branch of New Thought. Um, mm-hmm. how, is that, how is that being embraced?
3: I, th- I think it's, it's cutting edge. I think it's cutting edge. I think more people are there towards this idea of co-creation. Uh, we have uh, a lot of serious diversity work um, going on within uh, Science Mind, which is now called Centers for Spiritual Living, or CSL. Uh, There's a strong uh, diversity component in there. We have uh, a new spiritual leader, Edward Vion, that takes this work very seriously. Uh, Reverend Masondo Heroka at Mile High Church in Lakewood is another example. There's a lot of leading edge people that, you know, are absolutely about this this idea that we co-create and that we all have a responsibility um, to address social inequality. But is it 100? Is it 100% there? No, and we've just had an example or two in the last couple of weeks where where ministers have uh, reposted and and promoted um, essentially racist conspiracy theories. So you know, we're not we're not we're not immune. But there's there's a lot of positive movement, I think.
2: Yes, yes, I think that you know the. I think one of, the, one of the conversations that's interesting about, for instance, race, and I think that that's, that, you know, a couple of, I think it was last week I, or something like that, I posted something along the lines of, you know, the the world wants a colorblind society. I disagree. I think we need a color honoring society that, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's a different conversation. Love me when I don't look like you, when I don't show up like you, color honoring doesn't honors the rainbow of variety of how life shows up as human beings in all different races uh, cultures orientations etc but still acknowledging the divinity within the human being the, the right. question the, the question that comes into play many times is um, what to call it for whatever reason I got a person that's on hold I didn't realize that uh, that never came up as a screen call uh, the caller that, that that's because I just got a text about it. I'll pick you up after the after the commercial, because we're too close to the commercial right now, and I'll pick you right up as soon as we get back. Um, so the I think the question that comes into play is, when we are honoring what we actually teach, again, as I told those young people in college, New Thought teaches what's radically right about you. I think New Thought in and of itself is... Uh, a a religious philosophy that can be a part of of the conversation of the transformation of human consciousness. I really believe it. And I've dedicated Mm -hmm. my life to this work in a real way. You know, I I don't do another thing for the, you know, for a long time, this is what I do. And I think it's important that as we emphasize the, the, the benefits, it's okay for it to evolve and we don't have to be limited to how anybody has thought in the past. Including leaders who right. have positions that are not necessarily, in my opinion uh, holistic around race, you know one in particular and I think he's a brilliant new thought writer, one in particular, for instance, is like Ernest Wilson, who was a unity minister who mm. wrote who wrote basically that you know in when the civil rights movement was going on, how quote black people had to quote unquote earn their right. To the same things that white America had. You can read this in, I don't know if you have the book by Neil Vahl, V-A-H-L-E, it's called uh, The Unity Movement, and it has has Mm -hmm. the actual writing of how Ernest Wilson basically was saying that African Americans had to prove their rights to get human rights. Prove mm-hmm. your rights to be human. And he would, Even though he didn't say those words directly, that's what he was basically saying. You know, you got your lot in life as a whole race because of a consciousness, not because you're being oppressed by people who actually have power in society. It, it was it was it was an exceptionally racist, tone deaf response that um, and these were the leaders of the movement when Johnny Coleman was walking into it. Oh, we yeah, we got to take yeah. our commercial break, hard So let us uh, say we'll be right back with You're
1: listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell.
2: Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I have my guest, Harv Bishop, the author of New Thought Revolution, and we're talking about new thoughts, new thought and social justice and the things new thought can possibly, um, you know, ideas and actions new thought can take to uh, potentially evolve into a, a new and better version of itself as it evolves and deals with social justice issues and other things in general. Uh, before I go back to Harvard, I have a caller online too that I want to make sure I, I take care of. I want to remind you that you can watch Christ Universal Temple's live stream uh, at our website, which is www.cutemple.org. You can also watch it on our Facebook page, which is Christ Universal Temple. Uh, you can also watch it on our YouTube page, which is CU Temple. So 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Central Time. You can plug in. We also do a Facebook Live program 12 to 12.30 Monday through Friday on Our Facebook page, I normally do Wednesday through Friday. Uh, Our COO, Gavin Jackson, normally does on Monday and Tuesday right now. That could obviously change, but right now that's what's been going on. I'll be on today, and I'm going to really drill down today about some of the other things that are going on uh in today's society around a lot of things you know the george floyd and some other things uh you know so i'm i'm just going to just do my new thought unleashing today and and some of the things that's going on in the community with the you know you know protesting versus the looting and the destruction of property and why they're not the same anyway so um make sure you plug in and check us out We're doing good work. And Reverend Wells is actually starting a series on the 12 powers of man this Sunday. So if you have ever been interested about learning about the 12 powers of man or the 12 powers as taught by unity and Charles Fillmore, you can plug in and get a perspective. Uh, You can also support it with the series that I did many years ago called uh, how to use your 12 gifts from God, which was 13 episodes that I did on the 12 powers probably about 6 or 7 years ago so make sure you could go back into the archives of this podcast and get those uh, podcasts because it's some good stuff I'm patting myself on the back right now Harv so so Harv before we take on the caller can you let people know how to get in contact with you and how to get your book uh,
3: sure um, you can uh, go to harvbishop.com, H-A-R-V-B-I-S-H-O-P.com, and there'll be links to the articles uh, and uh, the book, and it's available through Amazon and also, also um, group uh, bulk sales through Divorce & Company, uh, the New South Publisher out in California,
2: uh,
3: and there's also a ministerial discount there if anyone uh, wants to take advantage
2: of that. All right, beautiful. yeah, We order a lot of books from Divorce and Company, so I know about that place. So let me go ahead and uh, get this caller on, Harv. Uh, Eric, are you there? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, uh, first of all,
0: thank you. And the wait wasn't in vain. I was listening to the conversation. I appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Mr. Bishop, for your contribution. Thank you, Reverend, for all you do. My question was, in the climate that is transpiring now, how can new thought be changed for the social justice movement and the social unrest because for example and i'm just going to make it quick in my side of town they shut off the buses and that's in the black community not not trying to do race but on the other side of town the buses are running which means that those that needed to get to work for the last two days could not get to work and those that lived on this other side of town that who thought they were already privileged were enforced to be more privileged. So in this new climate, what is the relevancy of new thought? How is it more practical today, and how can it help to foster freedom, justice, and equality across the board? That's my question.
2: Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Okay, however, I'll let you go there, and then I will, I will speak as well. Okay, yeah, that,
3: boy, that is that's a bad situation. Uh, the, the thing I think that <clears throat> is going to be critical here is is moving from prayer to action. I think in New Thought, we're kind of biased to being in our heads, and we're, we're not. We're not necessarily tuned into the reality on the ground. The idea that what you focus on expands, and as a result, we can end up sticking our heads in the sand. Uh, and and so I think it it's got to be prayer plus action. Uh, a lot of times when I when I talk to people, they say, "Well, I don't want to be. I don't want to go out and march." And you know that that is it's much much wider opportunities in that and uh i would suggest uh, maybe obama.org is a good starting point they've got lots of references for organizations that are working on the ground uh, letters places to donate to people doing good work uh in communities and uh and, and and obviously voting making your voice heard uh and i would hope in this in this immediate area that this gentleman's talking about that that uh, you know new, that new thought uh, people would be among those voices you know speaking out about that absolutely it's, it's we can't just sit back and pray and visualize a kumbaya society i mean we we we've, we've got to if, if if not now when i mean we we've, we've got to act as well as pray
2: yes yes yeah. so um i'm i'm going to speak to this and say uh, cuz i know eric very well, actually. Uh, I, <laughs> um, I think that there are some things that have to be taken to, into account because, you know, we're both, we're, we're, you know, we're both in in the city of Chicago, and they're right now because of the looting and the destruction of property, and sometimes the even the uh, the, even the people who have d- decided that they're not going to protest that they're going to take destructive action. I think we need to differentiate. And That's right. mm-hmm. unfortunately, as people uh, are in those communities where grocery stores are being, you know, grocery stores and Walmarts and Walgreens are being destroyed, people are attacking bus people. Uh, yeah. People are afraid to have UPS or FedEx or uh, U.S. postal system to actually deliver mail because of the what's happening in certain areas of Chicago and, and you know, and, and some of the surrounding suburbs. Uh I think that we have to be mindful that uh, and I and I'm, I just have to speak very directly so I'm trying to sugarcoat this but I can't sugarcoat, sugarcoat it. it. Uh it's 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 to a certain extent dangerous to um to expect people to say okay uh there there are situations and circumstances where and I don't have an answer, so let me just be clear about that. And I don't think New Thought has an answer for your specific mm-hmm. question. I think that's a society question. That New Thought can be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we, we, we can't be in a space to where we are um, not acknowledging when something turns destructive that there's a danger factor in, in, in play. You know very well that, you know, across the highway, you know, which is not even a, a full block, the mall area was attacked and the church is in a nice area. But everything was being attacked. And it might make a difference what area it was. And if it's a destructive situation going on where well, people don't feel as though there's a, there's a safety factor, and then there's other variables that are going along to incite and promote violence, not just protest, then people have to make decisions not only for the uh for the safety of their employees, you know, people who drive these buses or trains. Uh, Etc. People who are living in certain areas that have now been destroyed, where Grandmama can't get a medicine, people can't get their uh, formula or diapers for their babies. So, so when when uh, you know, with you know, Malcolm X was talking about this in 1960. If you don't, if as a community, you there's your responsibility, and then there's the societal responsibility. The societal responsibility does not. Uh, supersede you making sure that the that that there's action with ethics that there's action with morality and what, and what sometimes when you take a, a a neutral position on those type of things like the crime in a community with uh, etc then it creates situations that harms everybody now obviously, if some of the, our communities were in a space where we're having real legitimate conversations about making sure that these people who are being out and uh, destructive are gainfully employed, that they have op- they feel as though they have opportunities mm-hmm. in, in, in 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 this nation, that maybe they won't be influenced to be destructive unnecessarily, and uh, and I not even unnecessarily just destructive, and I think that that's a conversation that 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 as a community we still have to have okay um as as I've been trying to tell people for the longest you know when, once the match is struck and the yeah. energy starts to expand, it can become scattershot. I don't care what the best intentions of an individual is if you you have to have a high level of leadership and influence to stop people from doing something that their raw emotion and mob mentality is guiding them to do but exactly. we, we have to be very careful, very careful about. Uh, how energy is being projected? Because if you don't have the the ethics to go to stop you to say, "Hey, let me stop for a moment. This is not how I was raised. This is not what I do." But you can get swept up in the emotion, and you have people coming outside of your community doing things like you know who, who bring who drops off pallets of bricks
0: in neighborhoods
2: to destroy up destroy Walmart's and Jewels and Macy's downtown. That's the setup. So so. It's a larger conversation, so I don't know if if new thought can address that. New thought, no thought, old thought, <laughs> split thought, all thought got to address the 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 right. social inequality, right. but we can't get past the conversation of uh, of of the the elements that, in the right scenario, can destroy your neighborhood. And you've put the right timing, the right situation, and the right circumstance, anything can, can set off. And unfortunately, that's what happened in our beautiful city. And we're still dealing with the consequence of it over the last several days. So I want to thank you for the call, Eric. I really You're appreciate welcome. it. And I pray we're that, that people to are able work. to get to we're work really and think that. We do. need real leaders right now, we need real men to stand up so the boys can sit down.
0: Appreciate you.
2: There you go. All right, let's go. So excuse me, hard for jumping in on that, but I felt as though I needed to address that because that was very specifically to Chicago. <laughs> and it was some right, elements right. into that that I didn't feel as though that was strictly uh, a new thought question. I think that's a societal question that we can have be a yeah. part of the conversation.
3: So, and I think that speaks to anything that we're talking about. It can inform choices we're making in the moment, but there's going to be a lot that's you know is it's that's contextual and driven by the reality on the ground. Yeah, and I think you're quite right to point out some of the complexities um, involved in in um, some of the more violent aspects of some of the of some of the protests, but at the same time, you know I, I still think that's a, a small a small percentage of of the of the folks that are uh, uh, you know engaged in in uh, in protest.
2: Oh, without a doubt, but the problem is they they they're using the cover of the protests, the yeah, protest. exactly. and and without a shadow of a doubt, and you might not be keeping up with it, but uh, Chicago, especially the south and west sides, has has been devastated by these riots, uh, looting, destruction of property, burning of buildings. You know, uh, I was standing literally in a church parking lot, there, and on Sunday. And I could see about a mile down something being set on fire. I saw the black smoke. I, you wow. know, and, wow. this, and I, you know, I've been going to this church since 1993. This church has been in this pre- current location since 1985. Nothing like this wow. has ever happened. So it's, you know, so it's a lot of variables. And yeah, you know, really and, so. right. And you know, and one as a not only as a spiritual leader in the community, but as a black spiritual leader in the community, I'm never going to justify. Anybody, especially spiritual uh, new thought folks or religious folks justifying violence, destruction of property, looting, uh, vandalism. Never. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, and, and I'm OK taking the arrows for that if that's what it takes anyway. But let's um, but this is real talk. So I appreciate you being willing to have the real talk that we have to have in the midst of challenging situations and circumstances. So I want to get back to the book though. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, as I mentioned during, before the show, I actually, unfortunately left my book, um, at, at home this morning, but you know, of course, you know, I, I you know, I, I, read through, and of course I was following it as it went along. One of the things that, um, uh, well, let me ask this one question, then I'm going to come back to this question. Um, you know what really needs to change within the new thought in within New Thought for the evolution of social justice and other things like we create our reality together.
3: Yeah, I think I think uh, I think we've got to get past the uh, that we this in this maybe a little more New Age than New Thought. That this, this idea that we create a hundred percent of our reality. I know that's a sacred cow. I know that. Uh, I know that uh, you know some people aren't going to like that. Uh, and but like I say, it's, it's it's time for straight talk. And and the, the the reason being is that it the whole thing of justifying victim blaming, uh, giving another example of a minister, the the uh, the, the North Carolina church shooting um, several years back, it. I mean, the, the, so a minister saying, "Well, the, there are no victims." You know, that these mass tragedies, 9/11, uh, all kinds of different things. Well, people's consciousness—they drew, they attracted those circumstances to them. And and I think, as long as that is a, is a rigidly held belief and it's not put in a larger context of co-creation, I think it it gets us in trouble. It absolutely gets us i mean it would be absolutely morally reprehensible in my view to say that george floyd somehow attracted uh you know what was done to him in minneapolis and 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 that that that, that a lot of times i've seen unjust things within new thought organizations you know where where uh, people were you know essentially mistreated and and told it was for their highest good. You know that they were, they were releasing them to their greater yet to be. And and I think that provides a big bypass to the kind of ethics that we're talking about. And and I think first and foremost, it has to, it has to be held to that the ethic of of recognizing that people are divine manifestations. And if you truly, truly recognize that, deeply recognize it. You can't mistreat
2: another. Whether you dress that up in new thought window dressing or not, yeah. And it's kind of funny. I never forget. I had a conversation with uh, years ago, Michael Beckwith, and he was mentioning how, when he you know was early in the you know religious science movement, how he had applied for a church in somewhere out there in the California L.A. County area, and you know he came, he wowed the people. The people loved him, but the board of directors didn't think he was the quote-unquote right fit. Now, <laughs> and, and, and when he left there, he decided he wasn't going to go through that process anymore, and through that work, he the agape work emerged. And it's just kind of funny mm-hmm. how you know, pr- the person was probably considered out of everybody in our movement, the face of the movement, how he was basically not accepted primarily because he was a black man speaking in an all-white area, and the leaders didn't know if that was going to work long term. It's, it's very interesting. We we have a, a, yeah. a caller. We have a caller coming. Let me put this call in because we don't have a lot of time. Uh, Dot. Okay. Dot. Yeah. Are you there?
1: Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning, Reverend McDowell and Archbishop. Bishop. I'm truly enjoying the conversation today. I don't have a question, but I have a comment to make. I just okay. wanted to take this opportunity to acknowledge all that you do and teach Reverend McDowell. You are very powerful. And you are the number one hardcore metaphysician. I just wanted to take this opportunity to do it openly, publicly, so everyone can know. And come join Christ Universal Temple so they can learn more.
2: Thank you. Much appreciated. L- love you, love you. Thank you for love that. You. I, I work hard to be the hardcore metaphysician. Thank I you. <laughs> know you do.
1: <laughs> and I work hard I, to listen and learn.
2: Understood. Understood. Thank you. God okay. bless you so much.
1: Okay. All right. Bye-bye.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. So, uh, you know, we only got about six minutes left. I think we might have another caller coming in. Um, If that caller in that, this is a name I recognize. I'm going to bring that person. Can I bring this person in directly? Let me see here. I don't know. Uh, Celeste, are you there?
1: Hi. Yeah, I am.
2: Hey there, my good friend. It's good to hear your voice.
1: Well, it's good to hear your show, Um, (laughs) and thanks, thanks, Har, for being there. Well, you know, I've been working with diversity and new thought for quite a while, and just to kind of um, make a slight correction, where Reverend Michael was candidating was in Orange County, which is a primarily white county, um, which is different from LA County. But the other thing is that. You know, I was one of the original diversity trainers in Sinister Spiritual Living um, when we started doing diversity training back in 2016 after a number of years of trying to educate a lot of my colleagues about the things that they were saying and how hurtful that they were. And um, after a number of years of doing this work, my frustration is that there continue to be people who are defaulting to oneness, and so by this time I had reached a level of intolerance, particularly of the things that were going on between Ahmad Aubrey, uh, Brianna, and and George, um, to say, okay, well look at this, um, look at this footage from this video, which a number of uh, Black congregants in the CSL Dallas created based on New Thought history, of when you know there was a section in the Science of Mind magazine that said colored church that they they were doing separation in the context of oneness, and um, you know because people don't always know the history that New Thought has been kind of a co-conspirator in terms of being not so much in alignment with oneness and that we need to heal our past in order for us to be present with our present. So I just wanted to just kind of bring a little bit more detail in terms of this revolution. It's happening silently. It's happening gradually. And I continue to be um, an active perpetuator of it. But I wanted people to know that we've got lots more work to do
2: so so celeste let me just say this um first of all thanks for calling and i know you've been working tirelessly to f- f- in this conversation um yeah. uh, i'm I'll, i'm going to be doing a series of shows for this so i'm going to reach out to you personally uh about coming on in a couple of weeks i got something i'm planning on that's 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 kind of special so i'll reach out to you uh later today about it okay maybe after this call okay. is over <laughs> as long as your number is the same. <laughs> yes it is. Okay, all right. Beautiful. So, Keep so and, and 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 I just want to bless the work also that you're doing at your own center and I know that the your congregation is blessed by your spiritual leadership and heart. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so Harv, um I don't know if you want to jump in on that at all. Uh we only have about a couple of more minutes to talk. Uh, yeah, I, I,
3: I follow Celeste on um, Facebook with a lot of admiration, so it's great to hear her perspective. Um, another another person I think that has really shaped my thinking is, is uh, uh, the late Reverend uh, Nirvana Gale. It is just probably one of the most um, powerful spiritual experiences in my life to be able to meet him and interview him? Uh, one of the things he said, and I think it's he points out a, a section of the Science of Mind textbook and. And he said that uh, Holmes said in that section that that we can't have everything we want. But if we follow new thought principles that in general we will have greater potentiality in our life. And to me, uh, if, if we could move to that point where we're holding a little less rigidly that we're creating 100 percent of reality, but recognizing and honoring that if we follow the principles that we'll have. Uh, more potential, uh, more potential possibilities in our lives. I think that would open up the way for more compassion. It open up the way for more empathy and uh, 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 provide a, a way to move forward and, and not have uh, a piece of new thought out there where we're just focused on mental causation without the ethics.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up when this last uh, go round. one of the things that I do think that Charles Phil and Myrtle Fillmore, even though Unity didn't always live up to it, was making sure that we have new thought with ethics. with What he would call, or I'm calling, the Jesus Christ ethic. Like, okay, you know, when you remove the, uh, the Jesus Christ ethic or whatever your spiritual ethic is and you just have the pure mind science without heart, without love it can come across very cold and we have to figure out making sure we have that balance of wisdom and love or as I tell people <laughs> that it's like Kentucky Fried Chicken you don't, go, you don't get the chicken without the biscuit and you, don't get, <laughs> you shouldn't have new thought in this mental causation movement without the love and grace that goes along with it, the ethics that go along with it. Because if, if not, it becomes very cold uh, and it's inconsistent with the totality of the teaching. So we're, we're run, we've basically run out of time, Harv. So I want to just thank you. We have about 20 seconds left. I want to thank you for coming on. Make sure you get the book, New Thought Revolution. He talks about all of these things and more in the book. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, get it. Tune in. Plug into his blog, his website, follow him. He's doing great work to help evolve our movement. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week talking more about this issue with Truth Transforms. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.